You all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Yeah. Albert Shivers. The Matrix doesn't happen. That's very true. Come along quietly or not. They don't have to like it, but they're going to see what happens. Goodbye, wimps. And now, without further ado, from Albert Shivers. The general concept is that creativity flourishes in in an atmosphere of freedom. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I am Albert Shivers, and on this episode, it's just me again. And I'm going to talk to you about how a bunch of cars going in circles did so much good for me. Emotionally, spiritually, family matters, everything. And you probably think I'm a nut for saying all that, but it's true. How did it happen? I'm going to tell you, but first, have some of this. Keep your foot in it. Keep your foot in it. Still Keep your going. foot in it. Ah! Pow. I think I'm all messy. That fucking 78 piece of shit. That's been the whole fucking night with him. He's been a dick all night. I'll choke that little prick when we get done here. 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. Dale Earnhardt will come to the caution flag to win the Daytona 500. If my wheel comes off and I hit the fence real hard, I get to whack every damn one of you with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> is that a deal? Who does that sound like? Y'all need some incentive to keep my tires on, obviously. <laughs> We're pretty much fucked because we got a fucking goddamn team. We're a bunch of fucking idiots running around with no fucking idea what we're supposed to do. Trying to fucking tell somebody back in August, but no, oh, Kirk's just got an attitude. Fuck! I'm about to hit the fence head on and get knocked out. This is fucking bullshit. He's pretty fucking horrible. If I try and turn off early to let the car roll, it still fucking ties the motherfucker. If I try and drive it in with the, you know, carries the speed, it's still, it's just pushing the whole front. And, and there's a fight between Kelly Yarborough and Donnie Allison. The tempers overflowing. They're angry. They know they have lost. And what a bitter defeat. I try really hard to take care of people, try not to be careless, and I don't like putting up with carelessness, and that just really pissed me off what happened out there. But that 18 is good on the top, and he blocks him. Oh, he put a block he on him in the wall. He put him in the wall. But he's not going to quit, but here comes the 48 and the two of Kirkwood. Oh, man. You are going to see a checkered flag for car number 43. Richard Petty has won the 200th race of his career and what are y'all doing? Start fucking playing panty cake back here. I was a little bit drugged and got one with a broke hand. We're doing all we can do. Broke hand? Who's got broke hand? Cooper's got a broke hand when he fell a while ago. So we're doing what we can do, baby. Ah, uh, walk it off. Bobby Labonte wins the Ford 400. It's never over till it's over. I'm telling you, unbelievable. All right, folks, I'm back after that. That is going to be the new intro for this little series amongst the podcast. So my plan is to have a bunch of little shorty episodes of different parts of this NASCAR Save My Life series. Um, I initially recorded this last night and told all the stories I wanted to tell quickly. And I was still well over an hour. So I don't want to give you that much of an ear beaten. I want to give you your ear beatings a little bit at a time. So this part one, I'm going to go into the why, the how, and the when and tell you the story behind Dr. Earnhardt. So first off, 
I want to explain to you all about the why. So I feel like every young kid at some age begins to look for something that can be their own. Most kids find music. Um, Many kids do fashion or things like that. They find an interest that can be their thing that they can relate to. Well, you guys know, if you know me, how into music I am. But I actually found racing before I found music. And racing was the first thing that was really mine. Something that was completely foreign to me and completely foreign to everyone around me. As a matter of fact, a lot of folks around me just thought I was going through a phase and then I would eventually fizzle out of it. Well, I'm here to tell you almost 20 years later that it has not fizzled. If anything, it's gotten stronger. So... Every week on a Sunday for four hours, I had me time, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, where nobody would bother me. And racing was, it was boring enough, so no one wanted to watch it with me, but it wasn't suspicious, so nobody really horned in on me either. And we had some connections in the family. Um, family friend who worked for Interstate Batteries and next thing you know I'm inundated with Interstate Battery NASCAR stuff and at the time the Interstate Battery car was driven by Bobby Labonte who quickly became my favorite driver in NASCAR and I was all about him and you just heard it's that's a whole nother story that's gonna be another part I can't I can't go down rabbit holes I gotta stick to the script So, one night, while watching Jeopardy with my mother and her boyfriend there, um, a commercial for a monster truck show at Nassau Coliseum comes on the TV. And I say, you know, I'd like to go to that. And for my birthday that year, birthday of 2003, my 13th birthday, we went to go see a monster truck show, and that was it. I was hooked. He's got him. Oh, I believe he's got him this time. Oh, he turned it. No. Oh, he turned oh, it. No. no. No, no. Now, here comes Clint Boyer to take the yellow flag. So, the next thing you know, I'm constantly looking for races on television. And I would catch an IndyCar race or a Formula One race every once in a while. Uh, my mother started to bring me to English Town Raceway which is a drag strip in Englishtown, New Jersey. Raceway Park is the name of the track. And there you got to see funny cars, drag racers, monster trucks, motorcycle racing, as well as the swap meets. On the other side, my father started to bring me to local racetracks, Mockatech Speedway, which isn't even there anymore. I think it was somewhere in between Hawley and Holmesdale that I can remember. Uh, He also brought me to Acord Speedway, upstate New York. My mother brought me to Wall Township Speedway in New Jersey. I heard legends of Wise Glass Stadium, which used to be a short dirt track on Staten Island. That's going to be another part of this series, all about um, Wise Glass Stadium. But at this point, now I, I can't get enough racing. I can't get enough of it. And one summer afternoon on a Sunday... I'm going through the TV guide looking for anything that's racing. Uh, 
and I find the NASCAR race at Watkins Glen, which is in upstate New York. Oddly enough, the only race that NASCAR runs in New York State. And I started to watch it, and for whatever reason, it hooked me more than any of the other racing I'd watched before. More than the Monster Trucks, more than the NHRA, more than IndyCar or Formula One. I really dug it. And the more I watched it, the more I got into it. Because here's the thing with racing in general and and NASCAR, is once you get into it, so put it this way, if you're into baseball, football, the regular stick and ball sports, you know your team, but that team is playing different people every week. They're playing another team. With racing, it's the same people every week. So you get to know these people. You you pick your favorites based on personality or maybe who their car is. So now for me, it was interstate batteries because I was being given all this interstate battery stuff. And Bobby the Bunny was a cool guy, kind of quiet and low-key like me. And um, so I, I liked him. I ended up getting into Dale Earnhardt Jr., I'm a fan of Tony Stewart. Kevin Harvick was a big one. He still races today. And there's only two drivers that still race today that raced when I started to watch it. The other thing to keep in mind is NASCAR was really peaking at this time. Dale Earnhardt had just died two years earlier. And everywhere you went, even in the city, there was NASCAR crap. In CVS, in the supermarkets, you could find holiday stuff, you could find school supplies. So NASCAR was very, very accessible if you were just getting into it in the early 2000s. So one person who had to deal with my constant NASCAR mania at the time was my mother. And she was one of the people, at first she thought it was a phase, but then once she she seen that I was really into it, she just, you know, let me do my thing. And, and that, was, that was pretty cool. And we went to the races and, and everything. So as time went on, you develop favorite racetracks and favorite events throughout the year. So one of my favorite events throughout the season was the NASCAR races at Talladega. Now, if you're not super familiar with NASCAR, you may Talladega may sound familiar to you because of the movie Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell, which is a very fun movie. And I don't care if it makes fun of like a lot of people ask me, do you like Talladega Nights because it makes fun of NASCAR? The way I see it is for it to be making fun of it means that it's something that's big enough to be made fun of. Nobody's making fun of something no one's ever heard of or no one cares about. So you have to embrace making fun because things are getting less and less fun. But I I love the Talladega race, specifically the Talladega Spring Race, which was at the end of April, which was right around my buddy Patrick's birthday. And he was my first victim of dragging you into the other side Over the past 20 years, I've gotten so many people into NASCAR who never even dreamed that they would be into it. Be it my parents, my friend Patrick, Jillian, sister of the pod, my buddy Isaac, brother of the pod. 
I don't know what it is, but I have a way of getting these people to jump the fence and and find a way to enjoy it. Anyway, getting off topic. In 2006, the Talladega Spring Race was rained out. Now, there are a lot of big plans surrounding this race. Dale Earnhardt's birthday, so his son, Dale Earnhardt Jr., was running a special-looking car for his father's birthday. And Talladega always was an exciting race. I always looked forward to it. And it got rained out. And Monday, I had to go to school. So I didn't bellyache too much about it, but I probably was noticeably upset by the fact that I was going to miss my race because it's stupid school. Who the hell wants to go to school and there's racing on? I don't. So I go to school. Begrudgingly, I keep my mouth shut. I go to school. About, you know, it's about 10, 30, 11 call comes through to the teacher to send me to the dean's office. I have no idea why they're sending me to the dean's office. So nervously and curiously, I go down there and when I walk into the dean's office, there stands my mother with a big grin on her face. And as she's signing me out, she says under her breath to me, you have an appointment with Dr. Earnhardt. And I knew exactly what she was doing. You are going to see a checkered flag for car number 43. Richard Petty has won the 200th race of his career. An unexpected thrill for the crowd. So we get back to the house. It's a great afternoon and it's the first time my mother sat and watched a whole race with me. Now Jimmy Johnson ended up winning that race and at the time I was not crazy about Jimmy but in that moment, it didn't matter because I was just so ecstatic to be home watching that race. And it really, I didn't say anything at the time, but it meant a lot to me that she watched that race with me. Now, let's fast forward to the fall of 2006 at a race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And this is another testament to how big NASCAR had gotten at the time. That Q104, the big classic rock station in New York, started to have NASCAR contests on Monday afternoons. They would ask one trivia question the Monday after the race. Normally races are run on Sunday if you didn't pick up on that. So it's Monday afternoon. I'm setting the table for dinner. My mother's finishing up cooking. We have Q104 playing. And the DJ asks the question. This was the first week they did it. And I don't even know how many weeks they did it. I honestly only remember the first week. And we had that radio station on all the time. I don't know. The DJ asks the question, who won the race yesterday? So I just, you know, blurt out, Kevin Harvick. He won the race. And he was another favorite of mine at the time. And still is. So... Quickly, my mother runs to the phone and starts dialing Q104. And in the meanwhile, in a stroke of brilliance, I run into the living room, grab a, 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 a cassette tape indiscriminately, smash it into the, uh, the stereo we had at the time, and just hit record, and recorded her winning the contest. And I have that recording, so let's, let's pull it up. Today. Kevin Harvick. Congratulations, Jackie. Uh, 
you getting a NASCAR team jacket, a hat, a cooler, and you're also going to qualify to get VIP passes to our private party at the ESPN Zone during Champions Week. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Who takes care of our rock and roll NASCAR oh, fans? 104.3 is my favorite radio station. And I am so glad to have that recording still. I ended up going to Manhattan with my mother to the Q104 headquarters. We got a big box of stuff. I ended up with mugs, little die-cast cars, two NASCAR jackets, uh, a bunch of like beer cozies, just all sorts of little things. And we slept back to Staten Island with us. That was such a cool, cool day. I was very excited for that. The last story I want to tell here that kind of brings it all back around is the 2010 Talladega Spring Race. So by 2010, my mother was very sick with her second occurrence of cancer. By April of 2010, she was just about bedridden. She was awake and alert. She could get up to use the bathroom, but she needed help. Um, Things were not looking good. And at the Talladega Spring Race of that year, turned out to be the last race we watched together, which was also won by Kevin Harvick, the same driver who just won us that contest that I just played for you. I didn't know at the time that this was going to be the last time we watched a race together at the same track and time of year that was the first time we watched a whole race together. And as time goes on, it means more and more to me that it worked out that way. And every year this this event holds a little bit more gravitas to me for that reason. Um, it makes me think more about her taking me out of school than it does with her being the last race we watched together, but both of them are very symbolic. And it just goes to show that I really let this silly sport of cars basically going in circles really let it into my life and it became a big part of of who I was and it, it it's I feel like it's because I didn't just it isn't just a thing to watch on TV to me it started off as an escape things were not always the best at home and life was very noisy. There was a lot of noise around me. And it was my escape. And like I said, I think every young teenager probably strives for something, something of an escape, something that can be theirs, that feels like theirs. And auto racing in general is a tight-knit community to begin with. So it almost feels like a little family in and of itself. Old people go, new guys come in. I've watched this sport progress and go up and down, and I've always been there for it. It's it's my main form of relaxation. It gives me the chance to just slow the hell down and think and be creative. It cools me out whenever I'm having a tough time. Look, you might you guys probably already think I'm crazy. But it's something that, along with art, which came a little bit later even, it's something that was 
a forever constant with me. Every Sunday as a 13-year-old or now in my 30s, I have something to look forward to. Something to share with friends. Things to, that got me closer with my own family. Which was all anchored by these cars going around and around. You know, I got much closer with my father. Not that we weren't close, but in the preceding volumes of this series, I'm going to tell you all about how all the adventures I had with my father. Going to races... He and I started to race remote control cars in a league and all the joy that that brought me, as well as a little bit of a closer relationship with my mother. You know, it's just, it's crazy, but I don't know what Albert Shivers would be like without my love of racing. And that's all I can say about it. I fucking love it. And it's this weird extra part of me and it just fits into the puzzle that is me art jazz racing i i I go every i go in every which way and in episode 20 of the podcast with elise burnett she asked me where all this came from and that's a that's a fair question because if i'm into this since i'm 13 and all these you know it's to a lot of people it seemed like i just got into it all of a sudden but I was always into it but you start running around with artists and musicians that crew just thinks about racing and particularly NASCAR as just a giant stereotype me being involved in it I knew that those stereotypes like a lot of them are funny but they're also dead and gone and I didn't fit into that stereotype So it was my decision to kind of keep it under wraps. And I do regret doing that. You know, there's a lot of things I probably missed by keeping it hush-hush. And my wheel comes off and I hit the fence real hard. I get to whack every now and then one of you with a hammer. Is that a deal? Who does that sound like? (laughs) Y'all need some incentive to keep my tires on, obviously. There's a lot more stories to tell you guys. Future... Parts of this series are going to include me getting into racing myself with my RC cars and my Pan-African go-kart. Me going to my first races and what I seen, what I experienced, as well as sneaking into the pits with my Sunoco shirt that my mother took from a Sunoco attendant at a gas station. As well as races with an ex-girlfriend and a whole bunch of other stories. I'm going to keep it entertaining for you guys. I'm not going to get two inside baseball with this thing so don't worry about it you're going to enjoy it and i for one look forward to sharing these stories with you i'm going to end this episode here dedicated to my mother who um jumped on this silly nascar train with me and we got a lot of memories out of it i hope you enjoyed this episode you may not be a fan of this sport but it's more than just about nascar What it's about is a little 13-year-old kid who was lost. I didn't didn't find art yet. I wasn't really, I was artistic, but I didn't, I wasn't applying it to anything. And I found, I found a limb to grab onto, something that I enjoyed that really felt like my own thing. 
It was so personal. It helped me get through tough times. I didn't need a shrink. I didn't need a guidance counselor. I had Dr. Earnhardt. Till next time, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else. And for my NASCAR people, raise hell and praise Dale. You can check out more of my work on Instagram at Albert Shivers and on www.albertshivers.com.